Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Now when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had gone from, and they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and for the inspiration of it. And now may it speak to our hearts and our lives in such a way that we are challenged, that we are changed, and that we never get over it. Let us hear this word, God. And Lord, let us live it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know, we live near the water. Now, I know the sanctified way to say it is we live near the coast. That's what y'all remember Andy Lambert said that. We, we church folk call it the coast instead of the beach when you want to be sanctified. But anyway, but we live near the coast. We live near the beach, whatever you want to call it. And because of that, I know that many folks enjoy some fishing. Amen? Some fishing. And, and now, I grew up, I didn't live so close to the coast. I'm about an hour and 15 minutes away. And so my earliest memory of going fishing, we're going to Surf City down at Topsail and down towards the north end usually is where we would go. Sometimes hit one of the main piers there, Barnacle Bills or Scotch Bonnet. And, um, and, and we go fishing and I remember uh, as a young child, my dad had a little Volkswagen Rabbit. Now he was 6'4". I really don't know how he got in there, okay? But, but he had a Volkswagen Rabbit and we would go fishing on that bad boy. It was a diesel. I mean, you know, y'all remember those, amen? And, and, um, and, and and we'd have, uh, we'd ha we've had the fishing line, fishing poles sticking out the sides there or whatever and, and going down the highway. And, and I remember going with them. And the thing about it is, is that whenever we would fish, even if we weren't catching anything, uh, he, he'd still stay almost all day. Now, if we weren't catching anything after about the first hour, I, I was ready to go. But, uh, but he, we'd stay the whole day. And then, of course, we'd end up uh, around where we lived. There were a couple of ponds, and, and one that we would go to, uh, uh, the 
Calypso Club Pond and catch brim. And y'all remember, y'all know what a brim buster is? It's like a cane pole, but it's fiberglass. And man, that thing pulls so good on one of them things and all. And then I remember I was about 14 or 15 years old. We rode our bikes to another little pond right outside of Calypso, right on the edge of Calypso. And that's where I caught the fish that I was showing the children. And a little Zebco 202, I had to retire that rod and reel after I caught that fish. Because I tried a couple of times, but I mean, it just stripped all the gears out and everything. So sometimes we'd sit it up there with the fish. But anyway, um, and, and I've had that fish. It stays in my office now. It was in our house for a while. And Tina, uh, she really wanted me to move it to my office. And, 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 and she never let me put my deer head up, okay? I mean, I know it's bad. But anyway, uh, the only deer I ever shot. But, but, uh, but, but it's in our attic. Anyway, but uh, yeah, but but the thing about it is, is that you know, fishing is something that's that's fun to do. It's good. It's a great sport and everything. And um, and but you know, the kind of fishing that Jesus would have known would have not been with a rod and reel or even a brim buster or a cane pole. It was with a net. And they would cast their nets, and then they would pull, and it would tighten up around the fish and bring in the fish. And so that was their method of fishing. And this early, this is early in Jesus's ministry, uh, just as he had began to call his disciples. And what does he do? He 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 goes and he's preaching, and there's a big crowd. So he calls, he tells Peter and them, "Let me use your boat, so I can kind of, uh, you know, have some room and and preach." And this was the Lake of Gennesaret was a Another word for the Sea of Galilee. So that's what they were on. And he preaches. And then um, it, in verse 4 it says, When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. I want us to hear those words again. Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And I'm going to talk about what ends up happening there. But by the end of this passage, they have caught an incredible amount of fish. And it's overflowing the boats. And of course, Simon Peter is like astonished and he's afraid. And he says, I'm a sinful man. I don't even need to be in your presence, Jesus. And Jesus says these words in Luke chapter 5, verse 10. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon... Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. He tells them to launch out into the deep and cast your nets. And then he ends with, you will be fishing for people. With the, for, with the gospel, with the kingdom, and the good news. And so I want us to look at for a few minutes this morning, what does it mean to cast our nets into the deep? First of all, it means we must have a net to cast. You cannot go fishing without, I mean, in those days you couldn't go fishing without a net. Now you couldn't go fishing. You've got to have some type of rod and reel. You've got to have something to fish with. And in those days it was a net. Look at, verse, uh, look at verses 1 and 2. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw the two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Uh, some other translations said that they were mending their nets or fixing their nets. So they were washing their nets 
nets out. They had been fishing all night long, and, and they may have had to be repairing their nets in some ways. Probably uh, if there were any tears or things, they were getting their nets ready because they knew they could not do any more fishing if they didn't have a net. Folks, our net is our story. It's our story about the love and grace of Jesus Christ and what he did in our lives. It's the good news. That's our net. And I love what Bishop, uh, Bishop Will said one time. He said, you cannot share what you do not have. And so if we're going to have something to share, if we're going to have a net to cast, then we have to receive God's transforming love into our heart. And then we turn around and tell others what he's done for us. Our message is simply the story of what God has done for us. It's an easy way to, how were you before God moved in your life? What did Jesus do for you and how did he do that? And then how are things after Jesus has moved in your life and continues to move in your life? We all have that. You may not think you do, but you do. And we just think about what God's done for us, and that's the story, that's the net that we have. I've told a story before a while back about this guy by the name of Leroy. And Leroy, I mean, he really was the baddest guy in town, all right? Like that old song. But anyway, but Leroy, he, 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 uh, he would go, and there was this one certain bar he closed down every night, and, and, and that's all he cared about. And, and his wife just got tired of it, and they were having revival at their church that week, so his wife said, Said, Leroy, tonight when you get off of work, you're going to church and, or I'm leaving. And Leroy loved his wife and he really loved her cooking. And so he said, well, okay, I'll go to church with you. But they pull up to church and what he does, he ends up, he, he's, he's got a couple of bottles he fills up before he leaves. So he have some right for after church. And so he, they pull in there and, and he goes to church and he's sitting on the back row. The preacher preaches that night, gives an invitation to come to Christ. And Leroy just can't stand there any longer. And he goes to the front and he kneels at the altar and, and, the, and he gives his life to Christ. And then he asks the preacher, what do I do next? And he said, well, you get baptized. And then he said, well, what do I do after that? He said, well, you join the church. And he said, well, what do I do after that? He says, well, you give a tenth. And he says, well, I ain't got a tenth, but I got two fifths in the car. And, uh, and, and, you know, he said, I'm not talking about that. No, no, no. But anyway, but, but, but here's what happens is the next night, Leroy gets off to work and he heads to the bar. But this time he goes in and he says, hey, everybody, drinks are on me, but not this stuff right here. He said, I'm going to, we're, we're going to be drinking living water tonight. And he told his buddies, he had about five of them, four or five of them. He said, y'all are all coming to church with me. And they were scared of him, so they did. And they got there on the back row. And that night the preacher gives the invitation. And here came Leroy with one of his buddies. And they stopped there. And, and, and uh, he, he, Leroy said, here, preacher, win this one to Christ. I'm going to get another. And he went and got another. Come up there. He said, here, you win this one. I'm going to get another. Every one of his buddies got saved that night. All because Leroy was willing to go back to where he was and to share what God had done for him. And folks, wherever that is for you, God wants to use your message as a net to call others and to fish for others as well. Number two is this. It means that we must listen for a word from God. Look at what happens here. He said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon gets a command. He gets a word from God. He's told where to go and he's told what to do. 
And God's constantly telling us that if we're just there to listen. If we take the time to listen, he's doing that. Uh, the, the evangelist that came and preached uh, one of our one-night revivals, uh, Dr. Terry Takel, he talks about divine intersections where God will lead you and your message to somebody that needs to hear that message. He'll put them right in your path. He'll put them right there in, in your, your stylist chair. He'll put them right there at your office. He'll put them right there at your home. He'll put them right there sitting beside you in the doctor's office. Wherever it is, God, he, he designs these. And we just need to listen for the word from him. Jesus gives us all this word to go and tell. Mark 16, 15 says, And Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now don't get messed up with that word preach. It actually is the same word that means proclaim. It's just saying, go and tell the good news. In other words, cast your net into the deep. Cast it into the deep. We just need to be watching for what God's doing. Terry, uh, I mean, Bob Tuttle, evangelism professor from Asbury, said it like this. 95% of evangelism is showing up and paying attention. I think a lot of people think that evangelism, oh, I've got to be able to preach, or I've got to be able to list out the Romans road to salvation, or some type of plan, or something like that. No, 95% of evangelism is simply showing up, paying attention, and seeing that there's somebody with a need that God's placed in your life and then simply telling them what God's done for you and reaching out and doing something to help. We must be listening for the word from God. Number three is this. Don't worry, I only have eight. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Number three. It means we must obey the command of Jesus. We must obey the command of Jesus. Now, Jesus gives Peter a command, tells him to launch out into the deep and, um, and to cast the nets. This sounded crazy to Peter. Because look at how Peter responds. Look at how he responds there in verse 5. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Now, you need to understand a few things about fishing in that area. They would fish in shallow water at night. Because that's where the fish would kind of come up to. And so to tell Peter to go out in the middle of the day into deep water and cast a net would have just been crazy. It would have sounded illogical and, and it would have sounded irrational. And what in the world are you telling me to do that for? Because we know how to fish. It's probably what Peter was thinking. And he says to him, but master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. But here's the word. This is key word. Now, if you don't go home with anything else this morning, I want you to go home with this word on your heart. Write it on your heart. Ready? Nevertheless, that needs to be your word. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. It may not sound logical. It may even sound a little crazy. But Lord, when you tell me to do something, I am going to do it. Nevertheless, I'm going to do it. Nevertheless, I'm going to go. Nevertheless, I'm going to join that ministry. Nevertheless, I'm going to get involved in that. Nevertheless, I'm going to witness to that person. That was the deciding factor, I believe, that made it possible for them to see that miracle that day was the fact that Peter said, nevertheless. I just wonder what miracles may be just waiting to happen if we would just be willing to say, never, 
the less. I, I love that story uh, in the gospel of Jesus' first miracle. Y'all remember that story? When he turns the water into wine at the, at the wedding feast. They, and his mama comes to him. They must have been kin to the bride and groom. And, and wedding feast those days, it just wasn't a little reception for a couple of hours after the wedding. No, it was, it was like a couple of day kind of thing. It was like a weekend thing and could last even longer. And, and one of the most important things where you had the food and you had the wine. And they come to Jesus. His mama comes to Jesus. Like I say, she must be family or something or kin to the bride or the groom. And they're supposed to be kind of making sure Everything's going good. And the mama come, and Jesus' mom, Mary, comes to Jesus and says, they're out of wine. They've run out of wine. And, of course, Jesus says these words. He says, hey, what, do, what, what does this have to do with me? My time's not come yet. Well, evidently, his mama gave him the mama eye. You know what I'm saying? Because it doesn't say why he changed his mind or whatever or what happened. She just must have gave him the eye. And he was like, oh, okay, mama. You know, and... Uh, but the next thing you see, she turns to the servants and tells them, whatever he says to you, you do it. Whatever it is, nevertheless, you do it. And he tells those servants to go and fill six water pots with water. And they were probably sitting there pouring that water, getting that water out and saying, why are we filling this with water if they need wine? And whenever they went to pour that water, it became wine. And a great miracle was done. And I like what one preacher said about it. It wasn't just wine. It was divine wine. All right. It wasn't just some Boone's Farms kind of stuff. No, no. It, it was, I mean, it was the stuff. And, and, and in fact, they even say in there that most people serve the good wine first. And then whenever people don't care what they're drinking, they give the bad wine. But you've saved the good wine till last. And folks, I want you to know that what made that miracle possible was those servants simply doing what Jesus said. And those miracles are available for us as well if we obey the command of Jesus. And then last, it means we must help one another. We must help one another bring in the catch. Folks, we cannot do this alone. We are called to do this together. Look at what happens. Luke 5, verse 6 and 7. So they do what Jesus says, and they go and they cast those nets into the deep in the middle of the day, even though it means, uh, makes no sense at all. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. I love that the fact Jesus doesn't do just a little dab of do you. Amen. He gives an abundance, and obedience brings abundance, and that's what we need in our life. And the net is breaking, so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. I mean, they had to call for help to get that catch in. Folks, I'm looking for a day that Pine Valley United Methodist Church that we can't even hold everybody because of the catch that's coming in. Amen? Because we are being obedient and going and doing what God's called us to do. And there's a miracle waiting for this church. There's a miracle waiting for each of us. When we do what God's called us to do and we do it together. When we do it together. Folks, we're the church. We're one body. I love what Paul writes in Corinthians. And if one member suffers, 
all members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And there's a miracle. See, here's the thing we may not understand. There's miracles every day. Now, there's certain miracles sometimes that definitely look like they're, you know, amazing and things. In fact, there was this one story uh, of this guy who um, jumped out of an airplane, I believe it was. It was back in the early 2000s. He jumped out of an airplane 3,500 feet. Something happened and his parachute wouldn't, wouldn't uh, come out. Didn't work. I don't know about y'all. He was in a mess. Turn to your neighbor and say, he was in a mess. Amen. Amen. 3,500 feet and he's falling. And he, and he prayed. He, he prayed. He prayed to the Lord. Lord, save me. Somehow, save me. And I don't know how this happened, what possibility it was, or how it was, uh, how it was possible. But somehow, this man that dropped 3,500 feet lived. He lived. And he said, I will tell everybody about this miracle that happened in my life. And he said, I'll tell everybody who's responsible for it. And he said, it's God. Because I prayed to him on the way down. Folks, now, I think sometimes we get caught up in those kind of miracles. Don't get me wrong. That's amazing. That's awesome. But what I want us to understand is that everyone that's sitting in this house of worship this morning, you're a miracle. You're a miracle. And every one of us that have said yes to Jesus Christ has experienced the greatest miracle. I remember years ago I was in college and me and my buddy Stoney, uh, you hear me talk about him sometimes, me and him, we had gone to this crusade up in Raleigh at Reynolds Coliseum where State uh, used to play and, and uh, you know, when they were like really good and stuff. But, no, just kidding, just kidding. But anyway, but, um, but, but uh, we went there to see Benny Hinn and, and he's an evangelist and does some stuff that kind of can look weird sometimes and everything, but, but lots of miracles and, and, and healings that were going on. But I remember going to that and we, we got pastor seating. I was, I was a young pastor and, uh, and got pastor seating on the seventh row and I remember, you know, there were people waiting outside that couldn't even get in. It was packed, and there were people wanting to get in that, that needed the prayer for healing and all. And he got up to preach, and you would have thought he got, would get up there and talk about, you know, healings and all of that. But he got up there, and he preached about this, and I won't ever forget it. And I might not agree with everything he does or things like that, but I just, I remember this is so awesome. He said, the greatest miracle that you can ever experience is to be born again. That's the greatest miracle. We look for all these outward miracles. Folks, let me tell you something. When Jesus comes into our, into our life, into our hearts, it's the greatest miracle that we can ever have. And that miracle's been applied to us. And all he's calling us to do is go out and cast out into the deep and to share that miracle with others. Let's launch out into the deep and let's cast our nets wherever it is and to whoever it is. And wherever God calls us to go and whatever he calls us to do, let's cast an in. Let us pray. Lord, maybe there's some folks here this morning. And we are just standing on the cusp or the edge of a miracle. Lord, I pray that you'll help us say nevertheless. Whatever the need is that we have this morning, Lord, that we would just say nevertheless. 
Lord, I'll cast the net. I'll do what you've commanded me to do. Maybe there's some folks in our lives right now that we need to share our miracle with. That we need to share, that we need to cast the net to. Maybe it's family members. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a, a child. Maybe, Lord, uh, maybe it's, it's a parent or a grandparent, God. Maybe it's a co-worker. Lord, I pray right now that we will launch out into the deep. That we will not just stay where it's safe, Lord, but we will launch out to that place of faith as you call us deeper in our relationship with you and to share that relationship with others. In Jesus' name, help us to respond to that call in whatever way it is this morning. And Lord, we'll look to you and trust you in it. In Jesus' name, amen.